Could the Centrion cyberattack be related to SolarWinds? And Bloomberg revives the supermicro story, but do they have any proof? These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. This week, the National Cybersecurity Agency of France announced that hackers have spent up to three years hacking into organizations by targeting monitoring software made by the French company Centrion. What do we know so far? And could this be related to the SolarWinds supply chain attack? I got to quiz ISMG's executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, for his take on the story. Great to see you, Matthew. So the National Cybersecurity Agency of France, known as ANSI, if you're French, announced a major breach on Monday. What's the story? So this is a fascinating one. This is a hit, apparently, by Russian hackers against unnamed, unspecified organizations, except that we know that they are IT service providers in some capacity, and they have been hacked. Now, it's interesting because it appears to only be the open source version of this IT network monitoring tool called Centrion. And it also only appears to be versions that haven't been updated since 2014 or 2015. So I spoke with the company and they said none of their commercial customers, because it also offers a commercial version of this product, are affected. And it called on anyone who's using their software in any unpatched state to please update it right away. Right. So ANSI has issued a very carefully worded alert, not least in how it alleged that sandworm tools had been used. Does this mean it's accusing Russia of the attacks? That's a great question. So Sandworm is a notorious hacking group, and it has been tied to Russia for a long time by security experts, and also more recently by governments, as the US, the UK have gotten more comfortable, it seems, with attributing, with good documentation, certain attacks to Russia. So last year, authorities in the US unsealed an indictment, a federal indictment, accusing multiple members of the military intelligence agency, the GRU in Russia, of being directly involved in numerous destructive attacks, including NotPetya and also the 2018 Winter Olympics, 2020 Summer Olympics, amongst other attacks. And this, they said, was Sandworm, which goes or is known by a few other names, Telebots being another common name. So that's my background on Sandworm. So it's really interesting to see that the alert from ANSI or Serpent uh, Fr, the Computer Emergency Readiness Team in France, is only saying Sandworm tool. And this is a reminder that just because a tool set or a piece of malware gets used, in this case, it's a web shell that gave the attackers remote access. If a tool's used, it doesn't give you any proof that someone who's been previously tied to it used it. It could have been somebody else. So they're being very careful. If we do see attribution of this attack, I would expect it to come not from the cybersecurity agency, but from a higher level of government, maybe the interior ministry. And typically this would be couched in some sort of a geopolitical diplomatic issuance calling out Russia in a bigger picture for its supposed hacking attempts. Okay, so too soon to point fingers. But of course, SolarWinds is the hacking incident still on everybody's mind. The golden question is, does this Centrion attack bear the signs of the SolarWinds supply chain attack? Thankfully, no. This is, relatively speaking, a pretty simple attack. Popping a company that has failed to patch software for so many years means they're running with numerous holes 
and probably not just this century in software. So hacking wise, this was a very easy attack. Could have been a nation state, could have been a cybercrime gang, could have been a bored teenager. So that's just the good news about this. SolarWinds was a very sophisticated supply chain attack where it looks like Russian spies snuck malware into the development pipeline of software that then got shipped out to 18,000 users. And a subset of those, a few hundred maybe, were especially targeted. So the good news, no, this is not SolarWinds. This is a case of patch or perish. Organizations really need to get better still at making sure they're using up-to-date software. Otherwise, it's like leaving your front door unlocked in a really dangerous city neighborhood with ground level access. You've got to do better. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly. So Matthew, it's been great to catch up with you and thanks for giving us the lowdown on the Centrion attack. Thank you, Anna. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Customer identity and access management, SIAM, is a topic that's gained momentum over the past year and a discussion point at our recent ISMG Identity and Access Management Summit. One of the speakers was Jeremy Grant, MD of Technology Business Strategy at law firm Venable, and who previously established and led the National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace. At the event, he joined our Senior Vice President of Editorial, Tom Field, to discuss SIAM and the path to improving identity. Here Grant is on what SIAM brings to the table that we're currently missing in the discourse around identity. I think the Siam market has gone from something that was sort of niche five years ago to something that, you know, almost every major company either has already implemented some sort of Siam or they've got an implementation being planned in that there's a recognition as more and more transactions are moving online. You need to have some sort of a robust identity and access management system similar to what you might have already had in place on the enterprise side to manage all of your uh, employees and, and others who are inside your network. And so that space has been evolving for quite some time, but between the elimination of the in-person channel, the fact that more and more things are moving online, I think it has been getting people to prioritize this in a way that maybe they haven't. The other thing I think we're seeing is, at least from a regulatory side, to narrow in a little bit on healthcare, you know, there's regulations that are coming out soon tied to, tied to the 21st Century Cures Act in terms of requiring, how would I describe it? It's almost like what we've seen in banking in terms of open banking, but for open healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, where providers or payers will have to allow you to be able to essentially ask a company who you already have done business with to share your records or your health data with another one. And so there's a huge need there. We're seeing it in the financial services as well as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau starts to signal they may want to do some regulations here. You know, almost anything you want to enable online in terms of data portability in any industry relies on having a strong identity layer up front to drive things. The other thing I think we're seeing in that also on a regulatory side is with new regulations like GDPR or CCPA in California, where they're now creating a right to know. Essentially, you can go to a company and say, I want to see all the data you have on me. I might want to ask you to delete it. You're seeing companies wanting to put robust systems in place so they can actually validate that when those requests come in, it's coming from the person who is actually associated with the data as opposed to a criminal who might be posing as them to try and take advantage of these new rules to steal their data. And finally, rule number one in journalism, always use reliable sources. Perhaps this is much needed advice for Bloomberg, who this week revived the super micro story, of course, first published in 2018, reporting that China had been tampering with motherboards made by super micro. Or maybe this really is that once in a lifetime scoop. For a deeper look at the story, here's our managing editor of security and technology, Jeremy Kirk. 
Two and a half years ago, Bloomberg Businessweek had a sensational story. It said the Chinese army had planted tiny chips on motherboards made by Supermicro, which is an American server manufacturer. Those motherboards found their way into Supermicro products used by the likes of the U.S. government and big companies like Amazon and Apple. But the story generated immediate skepticism. Technical experts said it didn't ring true. Amazon and Apple issued unusually stern rebuttals and asked for retractions. And in a truly uncharacteristic response, the U.S. National Security Agency said it was befuddled by Bloomberg's report. Last week, Bloomberg filed a follow-up. The company stands by its original report and attempts to bolster its claims by broadening its scope. The follow-up report only passively hints at fault in that first report. Bloomberg claims an error of omission. It says the error is that it failed to report the full scope of the U.S. government's concerns and investigations around Supermicro's supply chain. But it adds mushy new sourcing and lots and lots of anonymous sources. The story also tries to leverage peripheral alleged security incidents related to Supermicro to bolster the spine chip contention. In a spirited rebuttal, Supermicro says the latest story is a mishmash of disparate and inaccurate allegations. It says it's never found malicious chips, nor ever been notified by the U.S. government of such a finding. Ultimately, the follow-up is an inadequate way to deal with what has been a reputational disaster for Bloomberg, at least in the cybersecurity community. The new sources that address the spying chip directly appear to be credible people, but are far removed. And there are key questions that are left unanswered as well. If there is a secret spine chip, where is it? Bloomberg still doesn't have it, nor a source that has it. Also, if Supermicro's products pose such a persistent threat from an information theft perspective, why hasn't the U.S. government banned the company along the lines of how it dealt with Kaspersky and Huawei? And if this was such a damaging attack, surely this would have become a talking point in former President Donald Trump's contentious trade talks with China over the past four years. A few years from now, maybe Bloomberg will prove the naysayers wrong, but this story shouldn't have been touched again without irrefutable proof. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.